listening to Vet Candy. So we take an x-ray and then that's when the story starts to unfold. <laughs> Once we have the x-ray, we have that, we have that two view, <laughs> I should right. say, uh, of what we, what we see. And, and when, when you took, when you took that x-ray, at yeah. what point did you realize, okay, we've got something going on here. It, it, we were actually in the x-ray room together. So, so we were both taking the x-rays at the same time. And just after the first lateral view, we both kind of looked at each other like, Oh, no. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. Welcome to the Vet Mysteries Podcast. My name is Dr. Courtney. I'm a board-certified veterinary surgeon and fiercely devoted to pet and animal health. This podcast is powered by Vet Candy, a multimedia platform offering diverse veterinary content produced by veterinary experts and key opinion leaders. In this podcast, we unravel some of the most baffling and fascinating cases in clinical veterinary medicine. Please let us know how you feel about these cases. You can find us on socials at Dr. Courtney DVM and at My Vet Candy. Now, let's get started. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race-approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. When I say that we've got a real treat today, I normally am just joking about that. But no, we, we really do have a treat today. When we're, talking about, when we're talking about veterinary health professionals, the one thing we really emphasize is the team, is the team. And I know there's a lot of interfacing between the family and the veterinarian. But what's so critical is to know that behind all of that are a team of amazing specialists who are getting the job done and getting the nursing care done. And I am so happy today to be joined by critical members of that team. I am joined by Peter Carlos and JC Turner. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining Vet Mysteries Podcast. Thank you for having us. We're great to be here. Okay, this is perfect because, you know, a lot of people listening right now might say, my goodness, why do these names sound so familiar? And it's because you are literally everywhere and you're doing so many things. But before we get to that, 
before we get to the, the, the concept that you guys are everywhere, it's so prolific in terms of content generation. What I do want to talk about is, would you mind both taking turns introducing yourselves and set the scene for us on what it was like growing up where you grew up? It's me, uh, Peter and JC. Uh, you know us as Vet Text PJ. Um, we're on TikTok, Instagram, and I mean, we're Googled now. You can find us there. I've been in RVT in California for 10 plus years, working veterinary medicine and doing emergency vet care. That's what I do. And I love it. I love every part of it. And I don't see myself going anywhere soon. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You said you grew up where? In California, actually, a small town in California called Modesto, California. Modesto, Modesto. Is that close to Stockton or no? It is. It's actually just below Stockton, if you think of the, the relevance of the big cities. Awesome, awesome. Some of my favorite combat athletes are from Stockton, so that makes me really happy. Okay, please keep going. Let's keep the introduction going. Okay, and then my name's JC. I started at the same vet clinic as Pete when I was 16 as a student. Uh, went through the tech program, kept bothering him every day. <laughs> and um, now I'm currently waiting to take my test and still working emergency care with him, assisting in surgeries and doing all the things that we do together. That's pretty incredible. Where did you grow up? Right here in Turlock, California, where our clinic is. Right, we're in Turlock. Okay, how did you, how did you both know that you wanted to go into this field? Peter, you take this first. Oh, I knew right away. Um, even as a small kid, I knew just work, working with animals, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be around them, do something, helping, whether it was, I had no idea where I wanted to start. I just knew it had to be with animals. When I was old enough, I decided, okay, I'm going to start the program um, as vet nursing and went into that and decided to come out of it. And um, here I am. I actually started in pet stores, working there for quite a while until I wanted to expand that and do a little bit more where I was doing behind the scenes, doing the nursing care and, and going that route. Yeah, GC, please. I knew from a very young age as well that I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> Two complete different paths that I've taken. Um, but when I was in high school, I there was a local junior college in Modesto that I decided to go in and kind of tiptoe into the vet field because I knew that I had a long road ahead of me. I started the vet tech program at the junior college and I instantly fell in love with everything that we were doing, diagnostics, actual hands-on care. So I continued, I started working at, a, at the clinic that we're at as a student and, and eventually got hired when I was 18 and I kind of just stuck with it. And I realized that the veterinary technician side of things is what I love more than the actual veterinarian side. So I am now a veterinary technician, not a doctor. You love the veterinary technician side of things more than the actual veterinarian. This is a common theme that I keep hearing. It keeps coming up. This is so critically important because uh, a lot of times we'll hear about people who have aspirations to pursue careers within veterinary medicine, and they think, I need to be a veterinarian, but that is not the case. And uh, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to speak with both of you today. Please talk to me and just anybody listening about uh, why a veterinary technician? What is it about the technical side, the nursing side, that was more appealing to you than, than the doctor side? For me, it was all the hands-on. Working in emergency medicine, that's really the thing. There's so much going on and the doctors are seeing cases, but they're dictating to you throughout the day, I need this, 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 and this, and you've got your list and you've got your cases and you've got everything you need to do to get through the day to make their job easier. So you're really kind of like their left hand, just working through the day, 
getting everything that they need done. Um, and it's more of the care side for the pets, um, the diagnostic sides, getting all these things done so that the veterinarian can properly um, get what they need done uh, to get through their day and to achieve what they need to do for overall animal care. Amazing. That's really amazing. And for you, JC? I also think it's the hands-on side of things, especially since we're on emergency care. I like being that I'm one of the first ones that's actually touching a patient, getting them out of the car, on the gurney, talking to the owners about what's going on, and then also carrying on the x-rays and the medications and the blood work and everything. We tend to be the, the hands-on side of things and coordinating between kind of the the owners and the doctor what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I like the hands-on part as well. Well, you mentioned the hands-on at least three times just then, but that tells me that you really like that contact. And that is truly what's emblematic about the whole veterinary technician experience is that nursing care, that hands-on, that tactile feel. You are at the ground level. I like to use the term in the trenches, but you are certainly there helping out. So that's the individual side. We talked about you know each of your names, where you're from, what it was like growing up, what your motivations were within the veterinary profession, but there's a reason why you guys are on together, right? This is not an individual thing. How did you two link up and why is this duo so dynamic? So it all happened. Uh, it all happened when she started working as a student. Um, she was 16 and I was working in clinic and then here comes a student just working externs and oh gosh, she just wouldn't stop talking. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm just going on. She's question after question. What's this? What's that? And I get it. That's what students do. And that's what they want. And she kept coming back. <laughs> and then um, and then one day um, she graduated and she started working into her field where she was going to be uh, going towards uh, working veterinary technician aspect. And then she um, she started working with us. And then I think from that point, we just kicked off a friendship where we had like a brother, older brother, little sister kind of thing. Where we just we fight like cats and dogs, but we get the job done. Fine in five minutes. (laughs) When we work together, it's just constant chaos, but we're getting the job done, and it's bickering and it's fun. It's it's just it's just one of those friendships that we have. And I also like to say that it's because we can joke around and understand each other's jokes in such a hard (laughs) field that we're working in. It's nice (laughs) having a friend that I can go to and crack a joke, and he'll laugh, but we'll still get the job done. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It is so critically important, particularly in a high stress environment where, you know, lives are on, 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 lay in the balance and to be able to have that pressure valve where you can release that pressure, that anxiety is so critically important. But considering a stressful situation, we're here to talk about a potentially mysterious and somewhat stressful case. Do me a favor and let's start out with the name of this case, because this is really interesting. It, it may be, once we get to the, the end of this story here, it, to me, it is something that I think is uh, it affects millions, millions of cats out there. But I think, uh, let's just start off with the name, if you don't mind. It's a cat case. And who would have thought that the cat's name is Bella? <laughs> One of the most um, iconic names in veterinary medicine that you just don't hear all the time. <laughs> Bella, Bailey, Happy, Lucky. Yes, yeah. I would say those are the those are the rarest names we ever hear. Yeah. Okay. So Bella, Bella comes in and she set the scene for us. Bella is how old so and, and, and what is she like? I'm working emergency and we get this emergency that says that the owner thinks that she might have worms. So she has a distended abdomen and she's gagging like she's trying to vomit, but nothing's coming up. 
when Bella walks through the door, she actively vomiting or actively retching, I should say, what are you seeing as Bella's coming through the door? So it's, it's funny you say carrying because the, the owner actually is carrying. She was the on a harness. <laughs> wow. Coming into the clinic and we're like, okay, first of all, no cat carrier. The cat's super mellow and chill. Everything's good. Um, but you know, this complete ADR cat and you can tell something was wrong because he had this mild kind of open mouth breathing, but she was stable. But you can tell she was just ADR. Just We're something, drooling. you know, something just wasn't right with that with that iconic drool down the side of the mouth. And just for everybody listening, ADR means ain't doing right. So yeah, yeah super <laughs> a- ADR, and, and that's a real expression that we use commonly on the and the veterinary floor in the clinical environment all the time. You know, when you say that she was also open mouth breathing, that's critically important because cats are obligate no- nasal breathers, right? If they're breathing with their mouth open, something is definitely wrong. So this the family walks in with the with with uh, Bella on a harness, and what do you say? that family do you immediately make contact with that family and start talking with them or no so the reception takes the contact on that first and then um they call up for triage and i think it was jc that that took the case first on triage and went up there and then you know she evaluates the situation and says okay this is this is not not something right so she brings the cat back i think you put it on we'll oxygen start, to start yeah we we'll start auction supplementation and the, and the cat seems fine everything's but you could tell it's abnormally it's abdomen painful is, it's abdomen in the abdomen is humongous oh it's abdomen is 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 ginormous so it looks like there's a like it's smuggling yeah. balloons in its belly yeah so the first thing i think is well is it a male cat you know you, you have this abdomen that's large and you think well is it a male because it is blocked it, and, and of course, no, it's a female. So then you start to think of other things and you're, you're following the lines and we're going from there. It's a spade female. We should keep say. In mind. So. Spade female. <laughs> so it wasn't pregnant. So so we get the approval to do, you know, all the critical things and, and get things started to get the appointment started for the doctor and to start the case. That's really important. Now, JC, I'm really interested because you said that you were, you know, either the first or second one to actually make contact with the client and have a conversation with the client. When you saw a cat on a harness with a, <laughs> a belly that looked like it was a keg, a keg, like a keg sized stomach, yeah. what did you say to that family and what did they say to you? Well, my first question was, how long has this been going on? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's, it's, it's a question that we, we ask very often, and a lot of time our answers tend to be what gives us the most important question. In this case, it started that morning that the owner had noticed we weren't really going to the litter box as much, we're sleeping more, our abdomen is obviously big. So they bring her in um, and she's she's on a leash and harness, but she's very calm on the owner's lap. So I explained to them, I'm gonna take them back. We're gonna have the doctor take a look at her. We're gonna start some oxygen because we're open mouth breathing. At that time, I kind of passed it off to Pete, and then I put the owner into a room and got some more history. It was still eating yeah. fine. Uh, they just were saying that well, they were hearing. She said that they were eating fine. Yeah, we were eating <laughs> fine. But, Chewing the food and spitting it out yeah. was a complete, yeah. was two different things. <laughs> You know, we are laughing here, but I just want to pause for a second and just recognize just how important it is to get yeah. an, a, a, an accurate history, right? So, yes, you know, we, we have nurses like yourselves who are doing an absolute, absolutely fantastic job in getting a very accurate and relevant history Correct. because even everything from just, hey, what's going on? When did this start? Knowing the signalment of the cat, the fact that it's not a male, it's not a male cat, it's a female cat and that she's spayed. 
all of this is critical information because it starts to put your mind in a different uh, in a different frame, in a different perspective, so that you can start thinking about the diagnosis. And even something that you said, Peter, which was so interesting, she said he's eating well, but actually the cat was just oh. masticating the food and then spitting it out, right? Yeah. Wasn't actually eating it. That's right. So then it gets passed to me. So I'm working through the emergency with the doctor and then I'm like, so when you get this, this, and the doctor's, okay, yeah, let's do that. So it actually gets pushed to radiology. So she's like, I want an x-ray. Let's go ahead and get okay. the food. And the owners are like, okay, we can start with that. And then we're going to place an IV catheter and we're going to get started with some uh, pain management and work that route. So we take an x-ray and then that's when the story starts to unfold. <laughs> Once we have the x-ray, we have that, we have that two view, <laughs> I should right. say. Uh, of what we what we see and, and when when you took when you took that X-ray, at yeah. what point did you realize? Okay, we've got something going on here. It, it, we were actually in the X-ray room together, so and so we were both taking the X-rays at the same time. And just after the first lateral view, we both kind of looked at each other like, "Something's going oh, on." Oh no! Here. <laughs> you know, you, you pick out. You know, you could anybody could take an X-ray if they're comfortable with it and, and look at these landmarks and say something's wrong, mm -hmm. something's going on here, and, and it's just not right. So we take that x-ray and it's just kind of whited out. You know, it's opaque, you, you can't see it. It's just it's just complete white in the stomach. It's very large. Well, how would you describe it? Like it was almost like stuff was like crisscrossing and could, yeah, like pointing to you and... You can, you can, the stomach was just odd. You could see these white lines. Um, you could see kind of like these black lines crisscrossing, you know, because the x-ray is going to give you that kind of like yeah. density. So you're, you're yeah, yeah. It, what's so I think critically important is that both of you have seen so many normal x-rays and it's, mm -hmm. it's so hard to recognize what's abnormal if you don't know what's normal. And so both of you have seen many normal x-rays of cats. And so the moment you took that x-ray, you said, okay, yeah. something's definitely going Not wrong here. That's what I thought. <laughs> so. Not to mention like a cat's stomach is... It's on an x-ray, it's usually fairly small. It's usually fairly small. In this case, the stomach was... To see a stomach that was the size of kind of like a blocked cat bladder. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. To see a large stomach like that to just jam-pack, you're like, what did this cat do and what did we engorge yeah. ourselves with? So so we take the x-ray, we show it to the doctor, and he's like, uh, sorry, she's like, this is, this is intense. I've never seen anything like this, and we're trying to go through the thing. So she goes in and she has her consult with the client after she's done her exam, and and she gets from the client, she's like, I've seen my cats playing with Q-tips and in the bathroom mm -hmm. and all these things. It was so eating like, the Q-tips out of the garbage can. So, so we're like, is it Q-tips? And at this point, we still don't know what's going on. This, yeah. is, this is just kind of the hint that we're going into. This, this, isn't, the, this isn't the story drop here. Right, so right. That kind of in our head that it's Q-tips. We were kind of like adamant that it had to be Q-tips. And everybody is, you know, looked. everything was showing us, everything yeah. that it was telling us, that's what we knew it was. So. So we're in the room, um, doctor gets the, the estimate assigned and we actually call the surgeon and we're going into surgery to do an exploratory. So. Okay, so the, so <laughs> she's talking about this and she's saying, hey, I think that he's, she's eating Q-tips from the garbage can and everybody is now on the Q-tip agenda. We That's have Bella, who's, uh, yeah, everybody's on the Q-tip agenda. We've got Bella, a young cat who comes in with a severely distended belly. She's been sort of, indulging in what I call juvenile behavior, just eating anything. And this time it happens to be Q-tips. It's what everybody is thinking. But for some reason, I feel like there is more to the story. There's more gonna, to the story. Where is more to the story? And that's good news. So we're going to get to the other part of the story right after a few brief moments for a break from one of our sponsors. We'll be right back.
We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. Okay, we are back. We've been talking with Peter and JC, dynamic duo, who've been talking about this kitty cat, Bella, who's a young cat, but comes in with a, a belly that is shocked everybody. She's walking in on a harness. She's barely eating, spitting food out, can't chew, can't swallow and keep food down. She finally gets under the care of Peter and JC and the veterinarian. And they're talking and they're like, let's take an x-ray. They take an x-ray. They're horrified to see all these densities in the stomach. And right now we are thinking about heading towards surgery because everybody's thinking there's Q-tips in the stomach. Where did you guys go from there? Uh, so we come out of the room, we have estimates signed. Everything, when you think of veterinary medicine, you think how smooth this process went. Cat came in, diagnosed, approved everything, had the consult, everything was good. And it was just so smooth, going right up into the point where they're like, yes, we have to go into surgery. And the clients are just so adamant and they're 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 doing it. So, so the estimate gets signed, um, surgery is on its way, surgeon's coming in, and now it's time to prep. So we find the time to prep. We're shaving, we're cleaning, uh, we're getting everything ready. Cat gets on the table, we're under anesthesia, a surgeon comes in, and then the surgery begins. Now, when part of the process, I just want everybody to sort of set the scene and, and picture this. When a kitty cat's getting prepped for surgery, there's a process in which we need to make sure that the abdomen is completely sterile. So all the hair gets shaved. There's a, a, several different antiseptic solutions that are used to clean the skin and reduce all bacteria as much as we possibly can. But during that process of cleaning the skin and shaving the skin, normally you are accustomed to a cat's stomach, which is very small. But as you're cleaning the hair off and cleaning the stomach, can you feel what's oh, actually yes. inside the abdomen? So you can physically start to palpate things at this point. Now but, imagine if you're holding that stomach and you can kind of feel like those little, those little gel uh, balls and you're feeling, and you can actually kind of feel a density to it, but we're it not- It made us all for sure that there are Q-tips in it though, because you can feel, you can feel something. linear and, objects. And we're not going in there. But not too and we're not squeezing or anything. No, we're not trying to perforate anything, right but you can feel it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're not trying to, you're gentle feel. I tell a lot of people, you can get the more information from your fingers, the softer you touch, right? So you, so right. here you are gently feeling the abdomen and it's squishy in there. And you're Ooh, saying- We're all convinced, yeah. You're all convinced. You're feeling what you feel, of maybe even gel balls. It feels like one of those stress or jelly balls. You're like, oh my gosh, this is cute. There's a lot going on. I, I can't believe what's actually happening. So you wheel this kitty cat into, into surgery. How's she doing under anesthesia? because in order to properly ventilate your lungs, if you have a big tummy full of fluid or whatever the case is, it's hard to do that. How is Bella doing under anesthesia at this point? She's actually doing quite well based on the protocol that we used. And we actually have a, um, a rebreathing system, a system 
uh, to help with these things because we knew that already we're going to have some diaphragmatic problems with trying to breathe and the stomach's enlarged. So we have this ventilator system to go through and help with the, the breathing and to help in, uh, to induce our anesthesia during the process. So overall, everything was well, but you can tell that there was a dehydration factor. There was a depress, uh, the, the body's depressed, everything going into it, and we've ran blood work. So we know that there's a lot of factors going into this that makes this emergency surgery ideal, but the pet, uh, in the sense, was ready to, to happen now. So, wow, wow, this is this is getting intense. It hadn't started that morning, but we knew when they first start to, to hypersense about their pet, it's they see something happening then, and they're not picking up on the keys of how it developed before they see the picture. You know, they say, yes. my pet has been doing this, or my pet's kind of a little off, but I saw it today. But then we start to ask the questions and try to diagnose the problem. Did we notice any issues that may have developed into today? That's how yes, absolutely. They, 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 they see the present critical situation and forget that there's a journey to get there, right? right. And so you call a surgeon in, uh, Bell is prepped on the table, we're getting ready for surgery, and at what point did you guys decide, all right, this may not be what we think it is? I get it on the table. Um, Chasey's in there and she's assisting me. Um, surgeon comes in, he's like, you know what? He points at me, oh, I keep saying, he, she says, you're gonna scrub in. So I scrub in. We're both in surgery and we're scrubbing in. She makes her cut. She's diagnosed, dissecting through the skin. And, and then she makes her anchors into the stomach and pulls the stomach out. And, and at this point we're like, something's not right. You know. Something's not right, but it is not that you are on the sidelines watching the surgery. You are scrubbed in and you are basically standing across the table, assisting with the surgery. You are you are there every step of the process. She incises the skin, enters the abdomen, takes the stomach and exteriorizes the stomach, pulls it out of the abdomen. And then what happens? So I'm sitting there and I'm holding the anchors and the stomach's out. And I'm just like, this stomach is an abnormally large. I mean, we've all seen cat stomachs. They're small, but this is this is jam-packed. This looks like someone has force-fed this cat, you know, this, inten this intense amount of whatever, whether it's soft food or kibble or what have you. But we're all still on this key. Like, it has to be Q-tips. The owner said it was. That's all that they knew. That's all that it was. And we're like, it has to be, you know? And JC's well, standing there in the sidelines. Those where once somebody tells you something's Q-tips and you're looking at the x-ray, it's like, that is for sure is. a Q-tip. Yeah. So then the, the doctor makes the cut into the body. It's at that point that we're like, you know, some, something's not off, something's off. And then we see this kind of like fibrous black um, starting to come through. And we're like, I didn't realize Q-tips were black. You know, I we're, was the one we're thinking who white. said what, what it was. That's right. So then as he start, as she starts to pull it out and, and then sitting there, JC's the one that points it out and screams it. She's like, that's a hair tie. <laughs> <laughs> so I were. And they're these mini hair ties. Yeah. It must have been a bag of them, um, uh, a variety pack or what have you. But we just start coming out. They keep coming out and they keep coming out. And the stomach's starting to deflate. Uh, as we're doing this in a sense of, of talking about it. And she's pulls all these out and they're on the surgical um, tray. And then, and we're like, these are all hair ties. <laughs> 52 hair ties. That's right. You said, I'm sorry. It sounds like we, you know, there's no way we have a bad connection, <laughs> but it sounds like you said 52 hair ties. That's what makes it memorable for us because we're counting through these hair ties we're washing them together. Many, under are, the many are chewed. Yeah. Many are in, intact. And, you know, they, they must have been child-sized hair ties. But this stomach is engorged with 
these multiple, it, it must've looked like a rainbow of, you know, black, red, all these different hair ties that had come out. And we're sitting there counting them on the thing. We're like 52. And we're thinking to ourselves, there's no way that these are fit. These all fit in the cat's stomach. And then we're, and then we're like, well, I was there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's obvious. So that was the, the climax of it. We're like, so we call the owner, the doctor calls the owner, I should say, and tells her, and she's like, you know, that was out in the bathroom, you know, and we didn't see anything of it, but they had been playing with them, you know, and that's the, that's the danger when you leave things out, whether it's a toy, a string, a yarn or anything, these cats become, become obsessive about playing with these things. And guess what? They will also eat them. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. They will also eat them. And so you get these, I just want to back up for a quick second. So you're pulling out 52 hair ties and you're doing it one by one, or did, was there a technique where she could just kind of squeeze on the stomach, almost like a tube of toothpaste and they just kind of all pop out and blossom? That's how it started. She, she, she started by squeezing and that's when we first saw the fiber come out. She goes and she takes her rat forceps, her rat tooth, um, her forceps and goes and grabs them and they come in out in little clusters. And then by the end, we're pulling out one by one, but in the stomach, nothing passed through. So we didn't have any of your like telescoping of the small intestines or any of your plication or any of that. It was all very simple and all in the stomach. So it was very easy. And, and, and perhaps it may have happened uh, very close to the time they told us, which was today, but it had to have happened, of course, maybe the day before the day before that. Well, the woman had told us that she had just went and bought a new pack That's because right. she couldn't find the ones the before, ones before. That couldn't even find the entire pack. I mean, I don't even know how many hair ties come in a pack, but she kept missing an entire pack. I do want to emphasize something really important that you you brought up, and I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. It, animals who have that sort of scrunching up or drawstring-like effect of the intestine, which we call plication, actually have a much worse prognosis, and they don't seem to recover as well. And particularly, as you mentioned, when you have this going on for a while, those clinical signs of vomiting, that also can put a, give cats a really poor prognosis. So number one, I'm just so happy that you guys were able to find it, diagnose it. But also what I was curious about, if, if the cat ate 52 hair ties, were yeah. there other components of the packaging material in the stomach? There wasn't. So we found tag intact, and all we found was uh, a portion of basically the ties themselves and what looked like the pet had tried to eat some kibble. So you have kind of this intertwined of just kind of digested That's kibble. That's what he was feeling with the, the small little round pieces. He was yeah. feeling the dry kibble. So everything was just kind of squished up and going in there. Um, so so we get them all out. We close the stomach. We lavage the stomach, clean everything out, get it all irrigated and close up. And I think the pet stayed in the hospital For with two us. Days. Two, two days. And then it started eating. Started eating and then uh, eating wet food and then went home, actually. So I ate hospital food, I should say, a nice GI <laughs> canned food and then went Un- home. Unbelievable. I was literally going to ask you, do we have good news coming out of this uh, case? And it sounds like we do. Spent two days in the hospital with you. Eventually, you know, cats typically will go on a hunger strike while they're in the hospital. And it didn't say it's not. This cat had every reason to go on a hunger strike while in the hospital, having just eaten 52 hair ties, having just had abdominal surgery, a gastrotomy. I mean, this is majorly invasive stuff. 
But right. because of the interventions that you guys took, uh, it sounds like Bella made a sharp turnaround and actually started eating for you. Yeah, them. I think I think a lot of it was the owners catching it quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that day it could have happened the day before, but the quickness of finding and uh, and for them to diagnose that something wasn't right and to bring that pet in is what really I think helped with the prognosis of this cat because work in emergency, you see these things where cats hide. They'll want to go and they'll hide under the bed or they'll do something they're not feeling right and they'll go and they'll hide for a few days and then they come home. And then that's when you see these things or, or they come out of hiding and you're like, wait, I haven't seen you in two, maybe three days and now something's wrong. So I think it's the quick alertness of the owner finding and seeing, hey, we've got to, we got to get something done. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I thank you both for talking about this because these are the kinds of pearls that when a family calls a veterinary hospital or when they call and speak to both of you, these are the kind of pearls that I feel are just so critically important to address. And this is why I feel confident uh, and so heartened and encouraged knowing that both of you are in this field because both of you are absolute, just a font of information and you guys make me feel secure knowing that the right information is going to the right families. I mean, you take for instance, even something as simple as gastrointestinal signs, a, a tummy ache in a dog may look completely different. They may not want to eat. They may have a distended abdomen. They may actually lick their belly because of the discomfort there. And they may vomit and have some diarrhea. But a cat, like you said, will will hide, right? And sometimes you may not see them. They may not show all of the same signs that a dog is shows. So knowing the difference between the two, that's the key right there. That's a very critical thing right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Bella was able to go home. She, mm-hmm. You were able to talk with the family. And once you told the owner uh, that there were hair ties, 52 of them, in fact, her reaction, she just basically said, you know, I was missing a pack or did she, was she yeah. actually surprised? What did she actually say to you? She was actually missing a pack. But the thing was, she had a young daughter that had her own bathroom. So she thought that maybe her daughter had lost the hair ties, misplaced them. them. So she just had gone to buy a new pack, but she did tell me that she's going to teach her daughter how to put the hair ties in the drawer, in the drawer, (laughs) not out. So I think when initially she was just kind of gassed, like, Oh my gosh, I was was so convinced it was something else. Or she had mentioned also too, she had thought that the the abdomen was distended because she had thought it was worms. Yeah, she thought it was worms. She thought it was worms. She thought it was worms. So what is your message after this exhilarating case, this good news case, this case that has such a successful outcome? What is your message to families out there, cat families out there who love cats? What would you tell them after seeing this case? Um, I would probably say when you have things like this or you have cats that enjoy playing with items like this, have a bunch of pet approved toys available because they will find ways to make entertainment with anything that they Mm -hmm. can find, whether it be a piece of yarn that can get stuck around the tongue or swallow or even a sewing needle or it with string, even a little jug on the top of the milk carton. You know, these things are all things that they can swallow. Tassel during Christmas problems, time. Tinsel, things tinsel, like that. That's what it is. <laughs> Find all these appropriate things and keep inventory yeah. of what your pet is doing and what they're looking and what their favorite things to play with is because you, you may not know these things come up missing and you may not see it missing, but also have a, a real good sense of, of your pet's um, signalman, what their normal is so that you can always evaluate what their abnormal is. 
That's a wonderful message. A big shout out to all the veterinary technicians out there. That was a message for pet parents, but what would be your message for other fellow veterinary technicians or others that are in the veterinary professional staff? Were there aspects about this case that you thought were interesting and sort of techniques that you think are a good idea to handle? Even something which I thought was awesome that you have a rebreathing system just to make sure that the cat can ventilate well. What would be your advice to some technicians out there who are listening? Know your normals, especially in emergency know all your vitals know all your normals know what is abnormal this way when you're triaging or something's coming in you can quickly evaluate and take that case down the road that it needs to go this way you see something come in that's adr you see something come in that's not breathing breathing. or open mouth breathing or you can evaluate something that the owner can't um, and pick up on those hints of what pain might be or what sensation might be or know the questions to ask when it comes to triaging is really going to point you in the direction of what's going to go before another case and what's more important is the real big thing is just knowing no your question normals. is a bad question yeah no question is a bad question i think those are certainly words to live by i am so energized by this conversation because both of you have dropped, I mean, I was going to say pearls, but I mean, it's a whole necklace at this point. I mean, you guys have dropped so many pearls of wisdom that I think are just so critically important. Anybody, I don't care what level you are in the uh, a veterinary health professional, uh, whether you're a veterinarian, a specialist, a technician, an assistant, a practice manager, there are so many different pearls of wisdom that you can learn just from Bella, Bella's case alone. Help us out and just, uh, you know, let everybody know where they can find more uh, about you two, Peter and JC. I really yeah. want to find people to know where they can find more about Absolutely. You, you can actually find us on our platforms. Uh, it's at VetTechsPJ. You can find us on TikTok primarily, but we're also on Instagram. And we just post the behind the scenes. We post the real, we post the raw. This is veterinary medicine from the eyes of a technician. I think standpoint. you just recently started like a Twitter, like a <laughs> vet tech comedy Twitter account. Yeah. You can literally Google us if you want, if you want to look up Peter and JC, or if you want to follow Vet Techs PJ. We, we're just pushing content, which is the real and the raw. And that's what we do. Vet Techs PJ on Instagram, the Twitters, all the socials, and they're even on Instagram as well. So this is fantastic. I was going to say Twitter because. You know, there's a lot of people out there wondering whether or not to join Twitter. If you're thinking about it, check them out, man. Yeah. This is this is exciting stuff. What's the future look for you like for you guys? Where do you cur- where do you currently work? Just to remind everybody one more time. So we work in Turlock, California, at an emergency facility. There, our aspects are just continue working. No, we have no change in the desire of what our medicine capabilities are. We just want to keep doing what we're doing, and we want to keep educating, and we want to keep moving at the fast pace of uh, emergency medicine. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. 
Well, I really want to thank you for what you're doing. Obviously, I think that the content that you deliver and the educational tools that you provide are just absolutely second to none. I think they enrich pet parents' lives, families, veterinarians, and veterinary technicians and assistants alike. Thank you again for joining this podcast. And if we do a round two, would you consider coming back? Absolutely. Yeah. This was great. We love being here. We'll have to work awesome. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you have plenty we of have, cat uh, stories in the ball. So many stories. <laughs> All right, I look forward to more. That's fantastic. All right, folks, that was it. Vet Mysteries podcast. We had such an incredible conversation with Peter and JC. It was fascinating. They dropped so many pearls of wisdom, which is the most important thing they mentioned, which is to know your normals. Because if you know you, if you know your normals, then the abnormal comes out comes out pretty well. So that is it. That is the Vet Mysteries podcast. Please tune in for more episodes. And for sure, uh, remember, there's nothing stronger than the human-animal bond. So please take care of your pets and each other. It's Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.